The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome back to another episode of Silence Your Phones, your movie review podcast found on the network here at BICBP-radio.com. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by, I was going to say by my partner in crime, but that's just like a cliche. I want to, we got to come up with another way to kind of introduce each other on the show, but Sean Fritz, COVID free, still resisting it, injecting yourself with the bleach solution. How's it going, dude? Well, ironically, you say that because I did just buy. (laughs) So I've lived in this house for about four years now, and I bought my first bottle of bleach from the grocery store yesterday. (laughs) And and it was not for that intended purpose. Wait, this is your first bottle of bleach? How is that possible, dude? Because I'm not a dirty motherfucker. (laughs) Well, duh, it's because you're supposed to clean. And that's what keeps things clean. So normally you bring bleach into the into the equation at some point. Uh, well, I mean, by equation, I hope you mean like the cleaning salute, the cleaning yeah. area, not the bedroom, because that'd be <laughs> painful, weird, and amongst everything else. Yeah, uh, and, and you don't. I don't think there's any application in the bedroom to clean with bleach. Uh, but I do use yeah, cleaners. I, I use cleaners okay. in my house, not bleach by its lonesome. So you never use the bleach like with with white uh, your whites your your laundry your whites. No. Because really? they're socks. Dude, they're socks and undershirts when I wear dress shirts. And no white dress yeah. shirts. No. <laughs> no. I mean, all my shirts are work, work polo shirts. Ah, okay. Okay. All I right. I mean, it's not all my shirts. That's all my work shirts are polo work shirts. So I'm just like, hey, I need new shirts. And they're like, here you go. Now, I remember when I was growing up, when like my mom first taught me how to do laundry, like one of the important things was always to remember that your whites had to be in warm, warm or hot water. You want to put the whites in the warm or hot uh, and use just a little bit of bleach to keep them whiter. You can do that. I don't because, like I said, I don't. I mean, now I will use the pre-soak cycle on my laundry, uh, especially when I'm washing my masks because I have 13 Holy cow. Got yourself a collection, huh? Yeah, I went on Redbubble and found a really good artist that makes really good Power Ranger masks. Yeah. Wait a second. You're supposed to wash these masks? Yeah, you dirty motherfucker. <laughs> no wonder mine's all dirty on the insides, orange from my Cheetos and chocolate stains. There was. It's funny you say that, too, because I was at Lowe's probably about two months ago. Yeah, because we're in we're in the end of August. It was two months ago when masks were still hard to find, and yeah, you know, it was you still had to self quarantine for two weeks uh, after and before and after you traveled, and mm-hmm. you know that's always in an ever in uh, you know an ever state of flux. But I saw a guy that had one of those N95 masks that you buy at Lowe's or Home Depot. You know the the yeah. pop out ones the with the little the, it almost looks thing. like a 
Yeah, like like a Glade plug-in on the front of it. <laughs> yeah. This thing was brown. I was like, dude, it's time oh, to change it. I love uh there's a lady at work. Um she wears one of the cloth ones um and it's pink and polka dotted, black polka dots, but the, the roads, baby. But the inside is white. And so when you pull it away, you can see like her foundation all over it and, and a little oh. bit of her lipstick. Yeah, it's kind of funny. So she breathes with her mouth. Oh. I mean, you're aware you since the, since we're on Corona chat you're aware that there's a new dental thing called uh, mask mouth. Yeah, dude, I saw this. It's like a it's it's like a breath mint or something to help you. No, no, this is a this is a condition that people develop because oh, masks it's a have turned yeah masks have turned people into mouth breathers. Oh, and you know when you you know when you were a kid and you breathe through your mouth because mm-hmm. you couldn't grasp the concept of you also have a nose. Mm-hmm. And when you breathe through your mouth, it dries out your mouth. It also dries out your saliva. Mm-hmm. And saliva is a bacteria fighter. And if you don't have bacteria being fought in your mouth, you just have bacteria growing in your mouth. And basically, it's like it's like meth mouth, but because oh. you breathe through your mouth. Dude. It's easily reversible or avoidable, you know. Breathe through your nose. People are going to say, well, it's avoidable by not having to wear a mask. Ding, ding, ding. This has yeah, been your you medical know, medical yeah, moment. Yeah. And here's my counter argument to that. Death is also avoidable in the car by wearing your seatbelt. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So don't be a dummy. Exactly. Cover your I don't what rhymes with dummy that would describe your mouth. I was going to say bummy, but that's your butt. So <laughs> don't be a dummy. Wrap your face with a huggy. There you go. Something, dude. There, there. I should be in marketing. We're going to come up with some jingle. And then then we'll just start saying we're sponsored by the, this new face huggy here. here. And you can, I give you full permission to bleep this part out. Cover your face slit or wait. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Don't be a dipshit. Cover your face slit. That's perfect, dude. I am totally getting fired from my real job for this. Oh, God. Uh, I'll bleep that if you want me to. I don't um, care. That's amazing. All right, dude. We're here to talk movies, man. Um, we're, we're a little bit behind on, on releasing this episode only because life always happens. And in the new Corona world, dude, there's just you never know what life throws at you, man. Chris, so, are you saying that life finds a way? It it uh, finds a way. Um this oh dude we gotta watch jurassic park i've been i've been wanting to watch the first one again um i saw it was on netflix and i told aaron i'm like dude we gotta watch jurassic park and aaron was like down she's like hell yeah so uh i think after the next film we do we're doing jurassic park sure so anyway um we did promise though that we were coming with our first actual animation um, Scanner Darkly was kind of an animated film, but not in terms of the, you know, the traditional sense of animation. So it was uh, live action filmed and then yeah, rotoscope. Exactly. Whereas this is straight up cell animation, uh, straight from the eighties. And I was, uh, I was a little concerned, you know, going in because watching these things, you never know because we have rose colored glasses. But, uh, this week we watched 1987, right? 1987's. 1987's G.I. Joe. Joe, the movie. The movie. America's number one superhero team explodes in the home video screen in their very first major motion picture blockbuster, G.I. Joe, the movie. 
Premiering exclusively on home video, this brand new multi-million dollar film extravaganza is a masterpiece in mind-blowing animation techniques that make this feature unlike any G.I. Joe you've ever seen. Along with all the regular G.I. Joe superhero papers, this high-gloss spectacle introduces a whole new cast of kinetic characters that are sure to be a hit with kids across the country. You have nothing to fear but Falcon himself. Miami Vice super cop Don Johnson stars as the voice of Lieutenant Falcon, the playboy whose shenanigans land him in the slaughterhouse. I've been expecting you. Ruled by who else but that patriotic pain? the incredibly awesome Sergeant Slaughter. You're going to war till you wish you were dead. Then it's off to Cobra Land where the terrifying Galobolus, brilliantly voiced by Burgess Meredith, reveals his plan to destroy the minds of every human on Earth. This visible planet will be ours. <laughs> now, right in their own homes, kids everywhere can see if G.I. Joe can still save the day in this high-budget, high-voltage film showcase of their all-time favorite superheroes. And this is for the U.S. Army! Fasten your seatbelt for the supercharged motion picture debut of G.I. Joe, the movie. Yeah, dude, this was um, I only found out about this from reading the Wikipedia, but this was part of this kind of burst of 80s cartoons uh, having their own movies. And they were all supposed to kind of get released around the same time to be this kind of, you know, marketing explosion to get kids you know, deeper into their, their mother's pockets for money while they're at the toy store to buy the toys. Uh, well, and this is, they were all Hasbro properties too. Yeah. Uh, Transformers, the movie, uh, my little ponies, awesome, the movie, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. The, the awesome was for Transformers. Yeah. I cannot comment on the, on the, my little pony. <laughs> uh, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. That came out at the same time. Um, and then, so one of the things I saw was that and at the time, as awesome as we love Transformers the movie itself, it didn't do well at the box office. So it was, it was looked at as a flop. And so when that didn't do well and My Little Pony didn't do well, they decided they weren't going to release G.I. Joe in theaters. This was a straight-to-VHS uh, a movie, but it was legit supposed to be you know in the theaters kind of a movie. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's interesting to see what would have been and what the market dictated at the time, mm-hmm. and, and how I mean I know that I still love the transform Transformers the movie from nineteen eighty six nineteen eighty five, mm-hmm. and and that one part where Optimus Prime gets shot and he says shit, that was a big deal as a kid. You're like, oh damn. I mean, you're oh, a kid. You're like, oh, that's darn. right, that's right. Oh darn, dude, I haven't it's seen big- that in forever. That'll actually have to come oh, on our man. list too. It is. It it is top notch. I hope so. I hope so. Cause I'll tell you, uh, G.I. Joe the movie. As I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, you know, nine, ten, eleven year old me would have loved it. I mean, I, I I did love it. I flipped on it, right? But at my age now, 
I, I, I found a lot of things. Are with you giving this movie. away the end of the show? <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you. I, I found a lot of things about this movie, so I can't wait to get into a lot of these topics. But oh yeah, you know, during the time as a kid, this was my jam, dude. You know, Transformers and GI Joe had the toys. Um, loved that the whole array of characters, all of the crazy names. Uh, I even had like the the books, like the little uh, GI Joe books that they would put out. These little mini stories. Um, I was a huge fan, huge, huge fan. I, I think every kid was, I mean, so let's talk about that real quick. So we all know that He-Man was made for, uh, what was created to sell toys, yeah. the show. Yeah. And it's almost, I mean, watch the toys that made us season great two, maybe great, great series. But where they talk about GI Joe and transformers and how one influenced the other, Mm-hmm. When you know when Hasbro sold the property of one, and then they bought the property, you know, just watch that because it's like the. And I'm gonna, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. And but I think you know one influenced the other, and and but not in America, in Japan, and then they bought the influenced, you know, the create the Japanese creation. Hasbro bought that for American distribution. And it's, it's just amazing at, at how one spawned from the other and, and, you know, just, just go check it out. But the toys. Uh, so here, I'm going to go brag now. Do it. When I was a kid, I had the USS flag helicarrier or Ooh, excuse me, aircraft carrier. That's that intense, dude. Was gigantic. Still is. In fact, I don't have it anymore. I did sell it. <laughs> Uh, because I was a kid and I thought 50 bucks was a sweet deal at the time <laughs> because I was you remember, a little too old for it. Dude, when we were kids though, man, we we got had for some things. I remember I had some He-Man toys that I traded for like some baseball cards or something. My parents got so mad at me. They were, they were just like, do you know how much those toys are and how much these cards are worth? Did they hit you? Because they probably should have. <laughs> I mean, that would be good parenting. Seriously. Bad parenting would be to let you do what you did. <laughs> oh man, dude. Yeah, that was a that was a big piece of toy right there, man. That's amazing. Now it wasn't complete. It was second hand. So I didn't have the the walkie-talkie broadcast thing. Oh, okay. You know, the the megaphone coming out of but it, it did have the shit coming up the side. Uh, and I said shit, the building, the three-tiered building coming up the side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I don't know why I had some snow patrol vehicles on there. Uh, that made perfect sense. Nice. Uh, but here was a cool thing. The rug that it sat on. I mean, there was a piece of plywood that was down. But the rug that it sat on was blue in my parents' basement. So it was perfect for an aircraft carrier, obviously. And, you know, just some other toys. I, I think I did have a Sarge three and three quarter inch figure. Uh, obviously, I had Falcon. Uh, no, I, I had Falcon, Sarge. Uh, I did have Flint. And um, who was the the big boss in charge uh, of the Joes? Was that Flint? I think so. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, had him, had Shipwreck, you know, and uh, Fire. What's his face? Um, I forget his name. The guy that never talked. That was the fire. The the good the the GI Joe, not the Cobra Fire guy, but the GI Joe guy, and a whole bunch of other ones. But man, the ones I remember were like Roadblock. Um, <laughs> Which, I oh, know. good Lord. Uh, <laughs> Leatherneck. Um, uh, who else? Obviously, Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Do you remember when they came out with the 12-inch, uh, the 12-inch, uh, like, vintage series of, like, Cobra Commander and Destro and Flint 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and they were, they were vintage in like 1990, like early nineties. They were vintage based on the original size of, you know, the original four GI Joes that were army, Navy, air force and Marines. Oh, really? Yeah. My dad and my uncle both had one of them and they came with like a, they were 12 inch. They came with a foot locker, change of clothes. And, and now granted my dad was one of four. So, and he was the oldest of four. So like that same Christmas, it was for Christmas gift. My, that same Christmas when my dad got one, my uncle got another. And then my aunts both got the original Barbie and they all still have them in the box. Like they took them out. They were kids, but they kept the boxes because my grandparents were good grandparents. You know what I didn't realize though, was that that was the deal that, that, it was represented. They were rap- These characters were actually representing specific actual armed forces, like the Army, the Marine Corps, Navy. I didn't know that. I thought when it was GI Joe, they were kind of like their own task force. They weren't like members. Because I'm going right now. I was just kind of scanning through. Uh, if you go to Wikipedia, you can pull up the the list of GI Joe uh, real American hero action figure t- uh, the toys themselves. And just going through 1982 and 94, it shows you the you know the year it came out, the code name, uh, his function, what their role was, their real name. Like this is. Hardcore dude, they're grade, and then the service branch. And I'm looking like Army, 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 Air Force, Marine Corps, Navy, like Coast Guard. That's I I never thought that I didn't know that dude. That's cool. Well, the original ones were just, you know, they were just part of like, hey, World War, two, uh, not World War Two. Um, uh, Korea had just ended. I think Vietnam mm-hmm. was. I I can never remember when was Vietnam sixties or seventies. Uh, 60s into the 70s, late 60s okay, so, into the 70s. So it, it was right before Vietnam, but about 10 years after Korea and 20 some, uh, 20, almost 20 years after it came out in 64 mm-hmm. the figures mm-hmm. and they were, you know, they weren't like propaganda, but they were like based on the war and, you know, everything else. But then the cartoon and the comics, that's when they became more. You know, that's when they had this big backstory. And and you know who literally wrote the book on G.I. Joe was Larry Hama. Yeah, met who, him. You know, I met him. He was at he was one table over from us at Fayetteville in October last year. Dude, he's a really nice dude. He really is. He is so cool. And, and you know, he's a Vietnam vet, too. Oh, I didn't know that. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm And I say that definitively, assuming assumptively. I'm I'm pretty sure he is. So let's look that up <laughs> yeah, really quick. I'll check that out. Uh but yeah, dude, a lot of these names are amazing. Uh Breaker, Clutch, Flash, Grand Slam, Grunt, Hawk, Rock and Roll, Scar uh, Snake Eyes. How do we forget Snake Eyes, dude? Uh yeah, he uh he was in the army from sixty nine to seventy one during the Vietnam War, where he became a firearms and explosives ordnance expert. Nice. So I'm wondering too, did you ever, like, so you know what Larry looks like. He's yeah. an older man now. Yeah. I wonder if Flint wasn't like the white version of Larry Hama, like in just in look. Huh? I looked at it and I'm like, Flint looks kind of old. And I remember what Larry Hama looks like. They kind of look a little bit alike. Interesting. I wonder if when he did the artwork, he was doing anything like a lot of the, the, the soldiers or characters may, may represent guys he was actually with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or the, the, the artist for the TV show just made Flint look like Larry Hama because as an homage for something, you know, basically creating that property Yeah, or, or furthering it even more. So your dude's name was blowtorch. Yeah. He was, uh, his outfit was pretty cool. Orange with that 
big old Jami on his chest. Dude, this is a, it's, it's awesome, dude. Just kind of going through this list of names. It's bringing me back to being a kid. It really is. Um, and this movie did too, dude, like the way, like, I, let's get into this movie. Let's get into, uh, overall, like what this is about. So normally we get right into the, in normal films, we talk about the story and the plot. For this, it's G.I. Joe. So if you know the story behind G.I. Joe, right, it's the American forces against a terrorist organization called uh, Cobra. Cobra, yeah. Uh, does Cobra stand for something? I can't remember. I don't know if it ever did. But, you know, at the time, I don't know that it did. I know that it was, you know, through this movie, we learned that there is a you know, you know, everything is a snake theme thing. Like Serpentor is yeah. the genetically created part. You know, he's the, he's like the, the, the second in command of Cobra there. Yeah. And then there's the dude that runs what is no, what, you know, the Cobra law, which is their, what they're in the Himalayas. Uh, same thing as, um, uh, in iron. Fist. Yeah. It's like an ancient you know, that, civilization. Yeah. Yeah, they're like hidden in the. It's you know what it's like. It's like um, from X Men um, in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. What's that place called? Uh, the Savage Land. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this place that just happens to be not anywhere near the same type of environment as everything around it. You know, it's warm. Yeah, it's also neat, and he can control every everything there, including the plants. You know, as we see later in the in the in the movie. Yeah. Serpentor, did you know this? So I'm, I'm looking at the wiki on Serpentor. Yeah, he's a, he's a cobra emperor created through cloning research done by Dr. Mindbender. The process used DNA extracted from the remains of ruthless military leaders, including Julius Caesar, Napoleon Bonaparte, Attila the Hun, and Vlad Tepes. Alexa- yeah, all the major Alexander dictators. Alexander the Great, Hannibal, and Genghis, Genghis Khan, as well as, listen to this part, as well as G.I. Joe member Sergeant Slaughter. They write that oh, in damn. that they literally took part of his DNA to create Serpentor. This, wow. <laughs> but yeah, this basically this film is 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 these these two you know these two sides that have been battling for a while. Um, in this one, immediately at the very beginning, you know, there's a battle that the that Cobra loses as always. And there's you can see there's this kind of friction now with Co- that, that Cobra's tired okay, of Cobra Commander. Hang on. Can we talk about that intro? <laughs> Dude, doesn't that just grab you? It does. It's like the best three minutes of animation ever. It was awesome. I'll tell you, as it was starting, I remember just thinking to myself, okay, I'm in. This is great. I feel like a, I, I, I told Aaron, I was like, I feel like I should have like a bowl of Lucky Charms right now. Just, just mowing down. Did you down. make her watch it with you? No, she would not do that. She's just like, I'm going to uh, walk the dogs. <laughs> I'm like, all right. She t- I'll, I'll talk to you never. She, or- t- she took them one at a time, so it would take about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Man, she missed out. She's not a real American. <laughs> but yeah, that, that opening, dude, that opening is like watching the Bicentennial. You know what I mean with the with the Statue of Liberty and all of these like lasers and just the battles. It was just the most intense, well, insane. Music, op- yes, the Ooh. swell of music all around it and how it goes back and forth, like the perception of what Cobra's doing, and they have the evil Cobra music, yeah. and then they go to and they have that swelling of music right to GI Joe, yeah, and dude. you're like, oh damn, the good guys are back. And I couldn't, and- I, I totally forgot like the song. So for a while, I'm like. 
This is like you forget this that? is like an What's extended version because I just remember the song itself, but this felt extended. Like you were hearing, you know how like when you hear a, a theme song for a TV show and you find out it's actually based on a real song, so you listen to the real song, you're like, holy crap, this is kind of different, except for that one little moment. I remember it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the Married with Children theme song is actually a Frank Sinatra it, song. Exactly, and that's what this was like for me. It was like I was like. This is a this is a cool song, but why not the G.I. Joe song? And then it came into the where the part I know. I was like, oh, I see what they did there. Yeah, it's it's so well done. And then, you know, like I sent you uh, uh there's a link on YouTube that you can just look for the G.I. Joe the movie intro mm-hmm. or opening. And it's probably what, three fifteen, maybe three minutes fifteen. Mm-hmm. And and I sent it to you and I was like, I am so excited for this movie. I will watch that once a week because I'm like, all right. I'm ready to go. These cartoon motherfuckers are ready to kick some ass on July 4 when everybody else is off. <laughs> there you go. I'm re- I'm ready to go to work. It's Monday morning. I'm ready for work. <laughs> yeah. Uh that opening is something, dude. It it definitely is something and I was like, "All right, I'm in this." Um then we got into the the show of it. Like it it, it was starting to feel like, "Okay, now we're getting into the story." Uh, it felt like a show at first, right? So you're but the the idea mm-hmm. here, what's the what's the whole main thing? I guess it's it's just that it focuses around. I think honestly, the setup is like it is to oh, it's that mach- the, that electro electromagnetic pulse machine or something like that. Yeah, yeah, the broadcast energy transmitter. Yeah. Okay, let's come up with a new name now. Yeah, the BET basically. Um, yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. This thing exists that that you know Cobra wants because it's going to help them take over the world, and GI Joe's got to keep it out of their hands. So basically, it's an episode of GI Joe, right? Like anything that ever happened in GI Joe was always Cobra trying to get them their hands on new technology to take over the world, and Joe stopping it. Um, I love so. Then it becomes also there's this kind of there's a second story that's happening and it's, it's the whole thing with Cobra commander where Cobra's just kind of tired of all of his, his hijinks, uh, all of his failures and true to Cobra commander, you know, he blames it on everybody else and everybody else being ridiculous and even, even blaming Serpentor. Right. Yeah. How did this guy get to power? <laughs> if, if all he's doing is he's like ruling with fear of no, and he's using the argument of no, <laughs> I call no fair. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what he's doing. So I got to tell you though, that was, there was some parts in this. So yeah, I have a, a back and forth with this. Cause again, I felt like a kid, but then the adult me kept going, this is so ridiculous. Like just the fact, some of the, the way he speaks is so, it's so funny the way they wrote, you know, the dialogue for this film. Cause uh, a lot of it's, a lot is, is cringe worthy. It really is. At least it was for me. I was like, oof, like this is just weird. Like I don't think little, aside from smaller kids who wouldn't really grasp a lot of the, the actual storyline and what's being said, but I think they'd be buying into it for the visuals and just everything else about it. But it's it. I would I would be hard. I would think you'd be hard pressed to find any you know, twelve or thirteen year old that might watch this and think it's it's actually really really good. I think they'd think that they all were talking weird. Yeah, it's not Gone with the Wind or Citizen Kane no. by any stretch. <laughs> no, but it, you know it 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 it's it's military. So I guess maybe that they're terrorists and it's military. So. Does that 
soften it at all, Chris? You know, how about the fact that it's a cartoon? You know what it does though, too, is <laughs> is it, it does encompass that time, right? Like the writing of the time in in terms it's Cold of, War era stuff. Yes, and and even this kind of grandiose way in the way villain the villains speak. Do you know what I'm saying? Like like I can't see Osama bin Laden or Saddam Hussein speaking this way. Do you know what I mean? It's very kind of poetic and at points. Would you say it's almost Shakespearean? Yes, exactly. And that's the point. So not it's like a great tragedy. Yeah, not that it threw me off. Like not that it took me out in terms of like this is sucks. It's not that it sucks at all. It's just kind of like uh you can definitely tell it's it it hasn't aged well in that respect. It could do for an up uh an, you know, a rewrite in terms of of how they speak or or whatever the case is. But it's They tried that with the rock. It didn't but, but, <laughs> work out too well. Yeah. But it, uh, but the thing is the, the the other story I was saying though it, it's it's almost like what you said I'm glad you said Shakespearean because it's almost like there's this Shakespearean thing happening now where this this leader has fallen from grace right and so so much so that he kind of uh, as the story progresses latches on to one of his enemies who's kind of take who who separated from the Joes and they kind of rely on each other to survive. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. And, and, and during this whole kind of storyline as Cobra commander is trying to get himself to this, this place he's devolving or he's kind of uh, devolving. He's turning in more and more reptilian. Yeah. They hit him with some sort of, you're no longer a person. You're a, uh, you're a, a snake Yeah, type literally, you know, Cobra is a type of snake. So there's a lot of, you know, snake play in this movie you know with cobra law with serpentor being a serpent yeah i, I mean his <clears throat> his outfit is pretty baller if you ask me oh yeah i don't think Peter would approve i want to see did they have serpentor in the live action films i didn't watch the live action ones somehow i doubt that but i could be wrong um because i want to see somebody actually wearing a costume like that if they're playing serpentor on on screen um but overall dude so like i thought that was really good like i thought that was a cool story you kind of started to see a little bit of the humanity you started to feel kind of bad for cobra commander um and i thought that was actually really cool in this this whole thing too uh but then it just it's 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 a cartoon it's that's what you're getting with this so you're going to get things like this Cobra law world with these reptilian kind of creatures that like you said, they can control even the plants. Right. Um, and they have, what was that? What was that go- globalist? The one that, what's his name played? Like the whole idea was it's, I don't know, man, this was, it was, like I said, it's a cartoon. There's, you can't go into this being like, okay, this is not realistic. You know what I mean? That would be Burgess Meredith. Yeah. Uh, but the idea behind like the whole thing with the spores and the, you know, the mutating spores into space and all that stuff, like it's, it's a cool idea, but it's, again, it's a, it is a cartoon. Um, it's funny how much is going on because there's that main story, right? Then there's this other story happening with Cobra commander. And then we've also got this other story, uh, involving, um, Lieutenant Falcon, this kind of hothead Lieutenant you know, as part of the Joes that gets sent to go, you know, have to get trained and taught how to be a true soldier by Sergeant Slaughter and his, his band of ruffians. Because he sucks and he's breaking protocol everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He's all, the, the best part is like when he's, uh, he's, what do you call it? Uh, he's trying to bring that one, that woman on base and she's just, dude, the, again, this is where the writing's like, ugh, cause the way she's talking, um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like she's trying to be a dan. I mean, 
we we later learn out spoiler alert that she is one of the basically the gi joe version of the thundercats um what was what what is that dude's name tomax i think Mm -hmm. is um his sister is dressed up and it's like all right well who didn't see that coming? Right. Exactly. Um, Falcon. That's who. But oh, yeah, exactly. Overall, you know, it's it's got a uh, it's got a decent plot. It's not like you it's you can't say it's ridiculous because, again, it's a cartoon and we know what we're getting into with G.I. Joe and Cobra. So the plot's cool. I think, uh, you know, I give it kudos for a lot of the different kind of s- strings that are going through the, the whole movie. And, you know, overall, uh, the different storylines happening at once. Um, there's good character development through this. Like, that's the idea behind, you know, what's his name? Lieutenant Flint or Falcon. Falcon, uh, yeah. and, and I think this was Falcon's introduction, which is probably yes. one of the reasons why the you know it's no different than I think I lost my train of thought earlier. No different than Transformers the movie or every season of G of um, um, He Man. Mm-hmm. They would always introduce new characters so that you can sell more more toys action figures exactly more toys yep but but in the you know in the process they want to give you an interesting character so you have to watch them go through some character development uh again and on the other side of it we see cobra commander have character development even though he kind of just turns into a snake uh overall though like this for me when i when it comes to the plot i thought it was pretty decent i i was into it um it wasn't anything where i was just like oh god i can't do this you know what i mean yeah, I mean, there were some areas that it was like, all right, in a vacuum, this particular, you know, section is a little strange. Yeah. But, you know, overall, the A and the B story that take place in each act, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they do they do gel very well together. And, you know, sometimes it's a little harsher than others, but overall, it's it's pretty decent. True, true. In in the fl- in the flow of the story as well. True, true. Now this is an animation, so when we talk about actors and acting, obviously we're going to talk about actors, but the acting is more for voice acting. So let's get into it. Um, you want to go through who the actors were first, and like who they played, and then some of their other things, or do you want to just discuss the voice acting first? Um, let's just go through and just just chit chat about everybody. Let's do it. Um, so, I mean, I think the biggest name on this is Don Johnson <laughs> who played Lieutenant Falcon. And the reason, I, and I haven't done the research, but I do believe that this was his, this was his introduction because it would be kind of a dick move to have on the show, someone play Lieutenant Falcon and then have Don Johnson come in and play him <laughs> in the movie yeah. just to have, Don Johnson play him in the movie? Yeah, I don't think that that'd have been cool. I think I think you're right. I think he might have been introduced in this. Um, I don't know if he's the biggest. I mean, at the time in the 80s, he is the biggest. Don Johnson was the get for this film. He was a, a monster name, Miami Vice. You know, he was huge in the 80s. Uh, but overall, if, if you're asking me, I'm thinking Burgess Meredith is the actual biggest name on this this list. Oh, he yeah. I mean, Don Johnson's great. He's also great in Watchmen, Chris, if you still haven't watched that. Nah, I still haven't watched it. <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Yeah, I know. Um, you really need to watch he, it. The action figure for Falcon was released in 1987, so I, I, I would bet that he showed up first time. Yep, in the Marvel Comics was his first time. In the first time he showed up animated, Lieutenant Falcon was uh, the movie, so you're right. Yeah, and here's what I find interesting. He's a Green Beret, mm-hmm. but yet he's like 
the sloppiest Green Beret ever. <laughs> Not in appearance, but in just the way he acts. Yes. I guess he's like, well, I put in my time. Now I'm a G.I. Joe, so I can just you know, go back to being a slacker. Like he lost all those years yeah. of training, dude. That was one of the things. It was hard for me. Like it wasn't hard for me to separate, but those like that's one of those things you can say in, in terms of the writing. It was a slightly sloppy. They could have made him a hothead, somebody who couldn't, you know, or, or maybe made decisions, in, you know, a certain way. But to make him more of a slacker kind of a guy was like, eh, he can't be a cream beret then, dude. Yeah, to make him a hothead and forget his training would make more sense, I think. Yeah, or and not just forget, you know, he just he kind of puts it to the side and, and lets the hot hot headedness take over. But his emo, yeah, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. But Don Johnson, dude, uh, overall voice acting, it's it's Don, and you know, it was good. Like you know, a lot of the actors on here, I don't think there's anybody I, I would complain in terms of that their their voice acting coming across as like wooden or stale. You know what I mean? A lot of, felt like everybody got into it. Everybody here, a lot of them are already voice actors in and of themselves so that you know it's 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 part of their skill uh whereas like don johnson is more a physical actor even though he does use his voice to to um, you know emote um to do it for for animation you kind of have to go overboard and to really Mm -hmm. sell certain things and and he i thought he did really good well it's like watching mark hamill do voiceovers if you've ever seen him he is standing physically yeah he is doing what the character is doing so that it cr- creates the right projection. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got more or less use of his diaphragm. You know, if he's being, you know, if, he, if he's playing the Joker, you know, he'll do that laugh, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, arch his back and do that like cackle into the air. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, he's not in this movie at all. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's that, you know, if, if you're an but actor. But he sets the bar. That's imagine, like somebody you look to that set, oh, yeah. sets the bar. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens well after this movie, but you know, it's, I think a lot of these people that are traditional actors can understand that you need to use your body Mm -hmm. to help your voice come through in the proper tone and and tenor. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Burgess, Burgess Meredith, dude, he's got a very distinct voice. Um, and it, it works that they pick him for a villain. That's part of like this kind of serpent, like, you know civilization right like this kind of he said he sounds perfect for for that role yeah i mean burgess meredith you know most people know him from mickey in the rocky movies yeah yeah but eat, he's eating, eating know, thunder and crap and lightning eat thunder and crap lightning <laughs> and and yeah it's i mean he was in like one of the best twilight zone up twilight zone episodes yes. ever, where he's the the librarian yeah locks himself in a vault during a nuclear holocaust yeah and while he's in there he it, it's basically the uh, the episode is basically like uh, there's one thing that i can't live without I, I don't know what it's actually called but you know he breaks his glasses while in the vault steps out everyone's dead he has no one to talk to and he's got all these books to read but he can't see now yeah so it's like your own personal torture. No kidding. He was also also pop culturists will know him as the penguin in Batman six the Batman yes. sixty six series, where he almost won mayor. Yes, yes. But dude, the iconic iconic actor and a phenomenal job using his voice for specific kind of character acting because I thought again it was perfect for this this what we saw as a representation on the on on the animation. Yeah. Uh, who else is big timers on here? Sergeant Slaughter. Yep. 
I mean, if you were big uh, you into wrestling know. at the time, you know, Sergeant Slaughter was, was the, his gimmick was that whole American hero type thing. Uh, and they wrote him into the, the comics and the cartoons. Yeah. I mean, his intro in the cartoon in the show on the TV show was, was uh, pretty interesting when, uh, are you, you remember the, the, the Cobra drones, they're black with that red mm-hmm. thing on their face and they, they look like robots basically like a whole bunch rolled up on the, whatever the GI Joe secret base was. And out of nowhere, like they're like, Oh no, we're going to get got. And then out of nowhere, Sarge rolls up and it's no different than like the big show versus everybody under the sun. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden Sarge gets cl- covered by all these robots. And then in a, in a split second, it's like a dynamite went off and they all just like go flying in the air. That's the best. I love when that happens. Like you got five guys on one and all they have to do is kind of throw their arms up and everyone goes flying. It's realistic. Yeah, obviously. Right. Um, (laughs) Did you know this Sergeant Slaughter's uh, action figure was the most successful toy character for that line? I believe it. I mean, he had not only kids with who watch cartoons, but people that were wrestling fans Mm -hmm. amongst, you know, whatever else he did at the time. It says that uh, they discontinued his production in mid-1990, the toy, partly because Ooh, you know why. the WWF's new storyline featured Slaughter as a bad guy and an Iraqi sympathizer. Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. That was, that was right around WrestleMania 7. That's amazing, though, dude. Like, it's so amazing that there was this gimmick in 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 WWF that w- had such an impact on, on the culture, uh, the pop culture, and even these guys doing the show that they're like we should actually make him a real character for the cartoon. Well, I mean, and you know, it's funny how real life that was for, you know, how kayfabe was a thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it, and it permeated everywhere. Like you know, the whole, you know, the whole story about um, the LA Coliseum and how they had, you know, for WrestleMania, I think it was WrestleMania seven where they had to move it because of the bomb threat that someone had called in. No, yeah, they it basically is what I just said. <laughs> they had to move the site of WrestleMania. I think it was WrestleMania seven. Oh wow! To the LA Coliseum, which was pretty much across because the street. Sergeant Slaughter. But because yeah, well, him and the Sheik, and it was a heat magnet at the time. Wow, that's yeah, that's great. Um, it's Slaughter, dude. Like with the, the the idea behind this character is who you see as the kayfabe character. Do you know what I mean? In real life. So he's, he doesn't have to do anything, but do what he does for the WWF and just be Sergeant Slaughter. There's nothing that has to be done differently for his voice. He just does it. Well, that's not his real voice. Exactly. I'm saying though, that, that's but, literally yeah. the Sergeant Slaughter voice. There's nothing else he's got to do. Like you're not, he's not going to like do anything special to really emote that he's, you know, telling you you're a maggot and you got to drop to the floor and give him 20. So I met Sergeant Slaughter last year at also at Fayetteville, um, and he actually sat right next to Christian and I. And he asked us as we were setting up, and as he he came rolling in with his wife and his little foo foo dog, and Arn Anderson and his wife and their two foo foo dogs, which was hilarious mm-hmm. to see. And he comes rolling in, looking like Commissioner Sarge, if you remember that from the Attitude Era. No. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. You know, with like the, the, the blazer and the black shirt. And then he takes out this tote where he takes out his hat, straightens the brim, puts on his, you know, slaughter fatigues or well, his jacket anyway. And, and his sunglasses, he busts out a winged Eagle 
championship belt, but instead of having the globe in the center, like that little, you know, that little yeah. part in the center where it's a globe uh, from uh, just above the center of the, the, the double plated center belt yeah. um, center plate. It's, it had the GI Joe logo across the oh. whole thing. I was like, what's this shit? I mean, like it was cool, sweet, but I was though. like, I was like, oh, you're that close to a winged eagle, man. That's awesome. My my favorite look, but yeah, and and he asked Christian, and he's like, are you guys Power Rangers? We're like, no, nah, dude, we're just fans. <laughs> and at that point, we came up with the uh, if anyone else ever thought to ask us that, we're like, no, nah, we're st- we're the stuntmen. There you go, there you go. That's the way to do it. Now we do the stunts. Yeah, look at look at me and my. You got to look good in spandex, and that was twenty years ago. <laughs> nice. Um, who else? I got to bring this up, uh, dude. I got to bring up the guy who played Roadblock, Block, Kenneth Holiday. Yeah. So great voice, right? Great, like he's he sounds. Can I can I ask you something? Because this might be part of the writing as well. But what was the? Did you notice that it almost felt like he was constantly speaking in rhyme, like he was rapping? Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I think part of that would be like a stereotype at the time. Yeah, that's that made and maybe f- that's Roadblock's character. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, oof, this this is a little much, man. You know, it's like Edrigan from DC Comics. Ah, uh, yeah, I get. Well, see, at least there, there's some magical Shakespeareanness to it. Whereas with this guy, it was like he was talking jive at anybody. You know what I mean? Like I'm the whole time he's with with uh, Cobra Commander. Like he just, he was, he'd be like, I don't know, even, I can't even, I can't even come up with an example, but it was like this, he wanted to like slap him around, but he'd say it in a way. So it rhymed. And I was just like, oh, this is, it's a little much. Was he like Mushmouth? I don't know. From here. I'm going to, I'm going to read you this. Roblox, real name, Marvin F. Hinton, born in Biloxi, Mississippi. His primary function in GI Joe is as a heavy machine gunner. His secondary function is a cook. What? So not like those two. Those are so diametrically opposed. It's not even funny. They're, they're like we're being attacked. He's like, you want me to get the gun? He's like, yeah, we got it. Can you go make dinner so we have something to eat when we're done? Yeah, go get some slabs of beef. Oh man, um, I guess this is the guy that Dwayne Johnson uh, played in yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Was that? Did you see these movies? Um, I think I might have seen the first half of the first one because it was on cable, and then I changed the channel. I'm hoping Dwayne Johnson uh, speaks and rhymes also. Yeah, um, know your role and shut your mouth. That doesn't rhyme, <laughs> but the but the original did. Oh man, um, who else, dude? Who else is on here? Who's big timer? So I'm just gonna run through a couple of them. Yeah, here. let's do it. Charlie Adler played Low Light. He he voiced Low Light, uh, probably known most most uh, famously for playing Buster Bunny in Tiny Toon Adventures. Okay. Um, let's see here. Greg Berger played Motor Viper. Check this out was the voice of Craven the Hunter and Mysterio from Spider-Man the Animated Series. Earl Boone uh, did the voice of Taurus, better known as the therapist from Terminator 2. Oh, nice. Obviously, Peter Cullen. Everyone knows who he is. He played Xandar and Nemesis Enforcer. You know, the guy that was basically Archangel Mm -hmm. who was just like, yes, no. He was Optimus Prime. (laughs) That, That was one of my other things, too. (laughs) <laughs> that guy was weird also the name He's, he was the like name, um, dude uh, nemesis enforcer yeah. like they literally took the they, they didn't even shorten it when they had to say it over and over they just kept saying nemesis yeah. enforcer go do this <laughs> nemesis enforcer go yeah. do that 
Well, it's a very proper. I mean, I guess that's a Shakespearean thing too. That's a very proper yeah. thing. Yeah, it's too you know, funny to use dude. that person's full name. Too funny. But you know, it, it he reminds me of, um, oh, who who was I? Ju- oh, uh, Gladiator from the Shi'ar Empire. Uh, remember the X Men? Uh, yeah, yeah. Where he he was just like, all right, I'm just gonna go wreck some shop, mm-hmm. and I can I can I'm impervious to anything and everything. Yeah. All right. So a couple more here. Jennifer Darling played Pythona. Um, she was Peggy Cal- Callahan on the Six Million Dollar Man and on the spinoff Bionic Woman. Oh, okay. Hank Garrett played Dial Tone. He he is probably better known to my dad as Officer Nicholson on Car Fifty Four. Where are you? Old television police TV show back in the was that fifties, sixties? Yes, sir. Here's a good one, Dick. Uh, I'm going to say it's uh, Gaudier. Gaudier. Mm-hmm was Serpentor, and he's probably better known to, my again, my dad's generation, as Jaime the Robot on Get Smart. Ah, uh, Get Smart. Ed, oh, I remember that show. Yeah. He's take his shoe off and talk into it. It was a phone. <laughs> yeah. Remember the sneaker phone? Yeah. The Reebok sneaker phone? That's amazing, Sports Illustrated. dude. Uh, Ed Gilbert, not Eddie Gilbert. <laughs> uh, the deceased wrestling promotion. Well, the deceased wrestling promoter. I was thinking, uh, um, he played general Hawk. He is known for discovering a new species of beetle, like botany type stuff. Pretty random. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keen holiday who you mentioned was roadblock. He was Tyler Hudson on Matlock. Like that's okay. an interesting. Yeah. Uh, John Hostetter played bazooka. That's a probably apt name. He played the stage manager on Murphy Brown. Okay. Uh, Chris Lada. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. Played Cobra Command. Oh, okay. That's just char- characters that he played in this. Uh, Chuck McCann played Leatherface. Chuck McCann is Le- from... Leatherneck. Yes. That's... Yeah. Whatever I said. That's what I said. <laughs> Le- uh, He's also Leather- yes. Leatherface. That would be amazing. <laughs> like, like from FMW shows? Like from Texas Chainsaw. Or, um, yeah. But, you know, there's a... Corporal Kirshner, another Sergeant Slaughter guy. Oh yeah, um, yeah. He plays Leatherface in the he, he in Japanese um, like FM, you know, the King of the Death Match movies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shows. Uh, so Chuck McCann is a old timey um, impressionist actor. I think he was on Sid Caesar's Show of Shows, and um, like a ton of older like like if if you know who um, Bob Newhart is. Yeah. He's of that level, but with acting. Nice. And, and impressions. Uh, Rob Paulson, not the one from Fight Club. Uh, oh, but the other one. Ninja Turtles, Rob Paulson. Snow Job. Yes, you know it. Raphael in 1987, yeah. Donatello in 2012. I know as Raphael. I, don't, I didn't watch the 2012 show. Yeah, that makes uh, a lot of us. Uh, Vernie uh, Watson Johnson, she played scientist <laughs> and she was on welcome back cotter sweet and she was also will's mom in fresh yeah Prince. Not, not aunt viv but will's mom his mom yeah that's awesome and i think that every generation knows this guy fred welker who played torch wild bill and order the dog uh of did you notice that the guy's name was law and the dog's name was order <laughs> that's good no i didn't but that's uh, awesome uh, 
So Frank Welker does has since the original episode of in 1969 voiced Fred from Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. and since 20 since 2002 has done Scooby Doo himself as well. Oh, that's awesome, dude! So yeah, there's a there's a lot of big names in this movie. Uh, I mean, hang you know, on a second it, for Frank Welker. You want to know who else he's done? He voiced Megatron and Soundwave and Transformers. Uh, Garfield on the Garfield show. The Garfield show. The Garfield show? Sure. We'll say it that way. Garfield. Like, <laughs> he was Nibbler on Futurama. Nice. That's amazing, dude. And he did a Oh, holy cow. He did a lot. Jabberjaw, Speed Buggy, wait, Sneezy wait, Seal. remind me who you said? What? Who'd you say again? Nibbler. Did you say Frank, Wel- Frank Welker? Yeah. Okay. I forgot because you just said that a minute ago. <laughs> yeah. 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 He did all this, dude. Jabberjaw, Speedy Buggy, Sneezy Seal, Mushmouth, and Azrael in the Smurfs. He did mush mouth. That's hilarious that we just were talking about that. Dude, this dude's l- l- legend. Legend. Oh, yeah. Frank Walker, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe. Okay. So in terms of big names on this thing, Burgess Meredith, Frank Walker, then Don Johnson. I, I would say hey, maybe Frank of, first. I would. Well, you got to put Peter Cullen up there, too, man. Oh, duh. Yeah, that's right. Peter's in here also. Man, this actually has a really decent cast. Not bad. I know. And, you know, a lot of these people did stuff in Transformers, like you mentioned, too. So it's, I mean, it's a Hasbro property. So they both are. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, you think about Transformers, the movie, and you think, okay, who was their big get? Uh, Harrison, or Harrison, George Wells, George Wells. No, um, Orson Wells. That's it. Oh, that's right. Did, played. um, Oh, I forgot he was on there. I can't even think the planet. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Necron. Uh, I don't Something know. Like that. I forget. We'll remember when we do the Transformers, the movie. I'm looking it up now because I have to know. One of the things I saw in here, um, actually, yeah, this is, see, we're done on voice acting and actors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would, I would say so. Unicron, by the way. Unicron. Unicron. In case you, in case anybody else cared like I do. <laughs> you would, you would have been I going crazy like until the end of the episode. I would have texted you later and been like, damn it, that's what it is. Slip slip this in there. There you go. Do your best Sean voice impression. All right, dude, here we go. Uh, let's move on to the soundtrack. It's pretty non-existent aside from it being like cartoon soundtrack. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, constant over and over. The opening was like the their music video and then they took a lot of you know, the musical themes of that opening and just throughout the entire film. It's it's a cartoon. It's cartoon soundtrack, right? Yeah, but you think about it too. I'm, I'm going to compare to Transformers once more. They had a Van Halen song in it. Did they? You've Got the Touch was recorded by Van Halen. When was that played? Right when Optimus Prime, right before he dies. Spoiler. Oh, 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 like oh, 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 in, oh. Right when he can. You're talking about Transformers. From, I'm talking about. I, was, I thought yeah. you meant in GI well, I, Joe. I did say that. <laughs> well, I said, and if you think about Transformers, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. There's, you did. But I mean, they had Vince DiColai as well. But what happened in, here? You know, they didn't have anything for GI Joe. No, not a damn and thing. And it went straight to video. So like, we're not putting any more money into, into getting, a, uh, you know, some good music for the soundtrack. Um, you know, what's funny is <laughs> I just typed in music on the Wikipedia, uh, control find. And it says in the, in the film's original script, blah, blah, blah. It says inspired by the death of Autobots, Optimus prime. Jeez. Even they're referring back to transformers, the movie. 
in the Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh man. Um, in terms of soundtrack, this is how there's a, there's a part in this movie that they say, if you listen to the soundtrack, it tells you where the story was supposed to go. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Duke's supposed to originally have died from that snake spear that, that Serpentor throws at him. Uh, but because of the backlash of Optimus Prime's death in the film that came out before GI Joe, uh, they decided to reverse it and write into it that he was in a coma off, off, you know, off camera, quote unquote camera. And speaking to that part of so that scene, how forced did that sound? Oh, he's gone into a coma. Yeah, it was it was definitely weird. But then that's what they say. If you watch the visuals and don't listen to the soundtrack, it's obvious that Duke dies. Um, And they and they what do you know? They brought Optimus Prime back in the third season as a douchebag or as a (laughs) as like a no different in the first movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, dude. Uh, when it comes to soundtrack, it's it's a it's a it's an animated film. It's a 1980s. It's literally taking GI Joe's regular TV show soundtrack and putting it extended throughout the movie. Oh yeah, you know they had that right in perpetuity. Easily, easily. All right, let's move on to what well, we don't do special effects on this. It's an animated film. We're going to talk about the animation. I dig it. I mean, I always loved this style of animation, the 80s kind of, you know, I don't know, is this, does the Japan have a hand in this? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, oh, yeah, yeah this you can tell us a lot this, of Japanese style kind of animation. And now when, and now I'm not talking was about anime. An, yeah, this was animated by Toei Studios, mm. the same company that brought you Super Sentai, Ultraman, oh. uh, you know, uh, all the all the kaiju stuff, the Spider-Man Japanese experiment that was wowzers uh but the the animation studio uh toe animation company uh and you know obviously all these are have been state-sided by you know saban brands and now ironically owned by hasbro as well but you know uh you know power rangers and 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 whatever yeah but they um yeah they did it at marvel Productions, so it's always also got that early marvel mm-hmm. feel you know for the the cartoon like spider-man and his amazing friends yeah transformers they uh, did yeah. Dragon Ball and, Z. And oh snap! I, th- I think Marvel Productions didn't it like uh, change or merge or whatever into uh, was it Deke D I C, and um, you know that was also a lot of, you know, a lot of old school cards. I think Turtles was part of was done by that Dude, Sailor Moon. They did Sailor Moon as well. They've done a lot. Yeah. This studio uh, has done a lot, like a lot, a lot of big name, you know, animation. Ooh. Jim Henson's Muppet Babies. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it, it definitely, it absolutely has that look and feel. Hey, RoboCop cartoon, Rick. Or <laughs> you're, you're not Rick, you're Chris. Yeah. Do they do the over-the-top kind of shooting scenes in I the animation? Or, I don't know or care. <laughs> but dude, yeah, the, uh, the animation in terms like of... Uh, the animation oh, great. The Incredible Hulk cartoon from 1996. See? Ouch. See? That's, that was their last one. No wonder. But in this, though, in the 87, you're talking 87 style of animation, cell style animation. Great. It looks great. Um, uh-huh. Like I said, the opening looks like a almost a, like a propaganda patriotic video with the lasers and the music swelling and and the image of, you know, the Statue of Liberty and just the, the different, you know, 
all of the different it's it's awesome dude it's it's great and and it looks good too because like you can see certain animation and sometimes you're like oh this is kind of rough like who's doing this and for me i thought it looks great the rend- rendering of you know humans and mannerisms the rendering of any kinds of machines or vehicles uh explosions you know landscape everything i in this in this film animation wise was top for me i thought it was great oh absolutely and uh toei did all three Hasbro movies, Transformers, My Little Pony, and this one. Uh, I'm also going to go back and correct myself from before. The Touch was not a Van Halen movie uh, song. It just sounds a lot like David Lee Roth. <laughs> Stan Bush performed it. It's called The Touch. You know where it's at. It's when Optimus... Pr- it's so. It's such a swell of music, too. <laughs> we should be doing um, Transformers, huh? <laughs> you want to just segue right into that so it opens on <laughs> megatron staring <laughs> actually actually it opens i haven't even seen this movie in a while it opens with megatron saying let's go wreck their shop there you go and then they then you see like their base trans anyway so back to back to the show yeah we're done you have anything else to say on the animation uh, it was just it, it's that animation from the late 80s that you have come to that you remember rose-colored glasses and still looks the, the same. same as your regular. Yes. It looks great. Yes. You know, it, it you don't need to have a nostalgic uh you don't need to think about it as it was great. You can look at it and be like, this is what I was expecting. This is this is amazing. Yeah. It's yeah, it, it's great. Nice. Any favorite scenes overall in this film? Scenes or or quotes? Oh man, like you know, it's funny. I watched this movie about a week and a half ago, and I was like, all right, we're gonna do the we're gonna record tomorrow. And I'll remember everything and I forget everything, <laughs> but you know, it, it's almost like the movie. I mean, the movie is good is I, I can't remember a lot of the quotes because I don't know that there was a whole lot that was quotable from it. Yeah. it you know, I mean, half a man is all what's his face set. Cobra commander says as he's devolving. Yeah. I think some of the scenes know, that stand out in my mind is again, uh, when Serpentor throws the snake spear into Duke's chest um, as as Cobra Commander, you know, devolves into a, a snake. That I remember that first time, really looking at him more lizard like and just being kind of horrified. Uh, and again, it still had that kind of horrific look to it as watching it again. Um, but again, I think I'm I'm with you, man. There's not. It's not like it's a quotable film unless you're like a hardcore like GI Joe fan and you you've, you memorized it. Uh, and, and the scenes themselves just kind of. You go, you go through them. There's nothing that's iconic, nothing that's kind of mind blowing, nothing like you know watching Optimus Prime lie there and and die, like nothing like that. That that sears itself into your brain. In this film, it was just kind. Again, it felt like a super, like we watched three GI Joe episodes in a row. Yeah, it's serviceable. I think is really what it, yeah. what you're getting at. Um, th- I mean, yeah, there were there were a couple things where they go to the slaughterhouse. And then mm-hmm. Sergeant Slaughter just cuts a promo on him, not, you know, one after the other mm-hmm. after the other. I mean, so let me ask you this, though. Um, as far as the characters and the character designs and such go, where do you stand? What's your favorite Cobra Commander look? Cloth or bicycle helmet or like oh, biker helmet? Oh, man, I like them both. That's a good question because I do. I like them both. I think they both have their own distinct looks. You know, the cloth was always cool, but it always felt like... I don't know. Like, I think the helmet made him look more badass. Yes. The cloth was just like, I mean, it was also, I think if I remember correctly, and this, this is remembering years and years ago, the helmet was because he had a facial injury and he had to, 
I mean, he can't just take a week off. You know, he's he's got us metal and plot. And, you know, he's got to be out there to call everybody back to retreat. So, you know, but Destro has a helmet on. He's like man in the Iron Man. Yeah. And Destro, I believe, is like Destro, whatever his name is, the 17th. Mm-hmm. Which I think is like really awesome. Like that's a cool, that's a cool gimmick to be like, I'm, you know, whatever, whatever his name is. Yeah, here it is. Uh, James McCullen Destro, the 24th. That's, holy crap. That is awesome. Seven dude. more. Yeah. Well, but even still like that is awesome. He yeah. is the 24th in a series of Destros. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, dude. Yeah. I do like the silver, the silver mask. The, I think that's pretty badass. The blue helmet. Yeah. With the, uh, with the, with the reflector. Yes. Dude. I'll tell you what I do remember when, when, um, Cobra, I forget where they were. I think they were in Cobra law when the, the lady breaks in and, or no, they weren't in Cobra law. They were at Cobra headquarters and that lady breaks in just kind of waltzes her way in there. Yeah. And Cobra is like, no, you go that way. She went left when really she went right. And you see the reflection of off of Cobra commander's helmet. That was cool. Like just a cool visual, but that's, that's really like all I remember from, I remember the movie, but I don't remember anything, you know, that is quotable. Like, um, like in uh, Pulp Fiction. Yes, exactly. Which, while it's yours, it's the one that says "bad motherfucker" on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not. You there's know? nothing in this that that hits you that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they teach English and what? I you know? I think the one thing you can quote the most is the fact that they like to just say Joe a lot. Like oh, everything is "Go Joe" or "Hey, watch that Joe." Hey Joe, Joe what do you it, think it, you're doing, Joe? It's actually Yo Joe. Yeah, it was a lot. Oh my goodness. Like I, you know what? No different than we looked up how many F bombs they dropped in, um, <laughs> uncut gems. Look it up. How many times is go, yo, yo, Joe said in the movie said in GI Joe, I will bet it's over a hundred easily, easily, easily over so hundred. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to yo, Joe.com. Cause they're going to tell you exactly how they did it. While you're looking it up, I'm going to start. Uh, we're going to go to the ratings, and I'll start mine. I'll start first. Um, this film, dude. Again, I wanted to go into this thinking. Okay, I can't. I got to get away from these rose-colored glasses. I got to get away from this kind of nostalgia when I come back to these films. Um, so this one, I kind of sat down, but I couldn't help it, man. The second it kicks in, and it's that old school animation and everything about it, you just. I told you, I felt like I was transported. Like I should have a giant bowl of, of lucky charms in front of me. Um, and then again, you, you get kind of sucked into the cartoon, the animation style, the music, uh, very familiar characters. Uh, vo- again, the voice acting was cool. Not bad at all. Um, aside from writing and there were some cringeworthy spots, you know, overall the movie itself was very enjoyable. You know, it had a self-contained story that was actually multi-layered, which was really cool. Um, and, you know, the soundtrack, again, was a cartoon soundtrack. So for me, it, it was about taking it as it is, as a piece of animation, you know, and the story behind it is is a very basic story, you know, the battle between good and evil. Uh, and, and for what it is, for the era it came from. Um, it was, it was a good, it was a good film for me. I thought it was fun. It would be something I'd keep as a fun DVD. So for me, the rating on this, I'm going to put it there at a 3.75. 
Oh, wait, is it 3.75? What we're going to do, Joe's? Uh, Real American Heroes, duh. 3.75 Real American Heroes. So I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. Um, I I think the one thing you're missing uh, if you're a little kid with a bowl of cereal is you need to be sitting on the floor. And, yeah. and, and if you're sitting on the floor, you know that you're laying stomach down, head, cr- you know, neck craned way up in the air, trying, you know, <laughs> mindlessly spooning cereal into your face hole. While milk's just dribbling off your chin back into the bowl. If you're lucky, it's dribbling back into the bowl, but chances are it's getting onto your Star Wars or, or uh, Legend of Zelda jammies. <laughs> so, you know, uh, as far as this movie goes, the animation is exactly what I wanted. It's great. Uh, that intro grabs you. You're just like, damn it proud mm-hmm. to be an american you know that buckle that, in yeah. yeah you know lee greenwood is the only thing missing from this soundtrack <laughs> um you know and and you know the animation the the you know the, the i could deal without the yo joes the 600 i couldn't find a a, a valid answer on on the internet's it could uh, be 600 though if, let's let's just pretend it's about that cuz boy oh boy i think in 93 <laughs> minutes they cram about that many in and <laughs> yeah. and um I almost want to watch the movie again just to count, but oh god, maybe there's got to be a count somewhere. Yeah, I'll just get the caption dump and and just search for Yo Jo. But uh, you know, the voice acting was great. The people that were in it were very believable in their uh, in their portrayal of those characters. The animation, the voice flaps were pretty believable. Um, the you know the story was hokey at times uh, obviously the changes that they made with duke as an adult i can see that that's very forced but i can you know they don't you know you can't really revive a, a you know a military person like you can a robot from another planet that's a little bit more fantasy than although gi <laughs> joe is fantasy because let's shoot guns that emit the color of a laser that is only available to our side of the fight red or blue. And I don't know if you noticed this, Chris, I watched this with E and I pointed that, well, you didn't know that, but uh, I pointed <laughs> this out to E. I just assume it anymore that, that you yeah. see her every time you see it with her. Most of the time she was kind of sitting there, not really watching. And then I would poke her and say, you got to watch this part. And she's like, Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> now, mind you, I showed her an ultimate warrior promo from before that. And I said, it's better than what we just watched. And she's like, Okay. I believe you. <laughs> so, so I, I pointed it out to her. I was like, look, they're shooting their uh, blue lasers at the other guys who have red lasers, but look at the side of the, of the gun. Notice the shell that's ex that's, you know, being kicked out. So they literally have laser guns with laser bullets. I always found that funny about <laughs> GI Joe. Uh, I will say that shipwreck was not serviced enough in this movie. Shipwreck was my guy back in the day, especially that four or five part series where Everybody was a clone that just kind of like this amorphous blob that formed into people. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't lose any points for that, but I'm just saying shipwreck was my go-to. Um, you know, animation, the story was good for the most part. I did like the fact that we were potentially going to see what was underneath Cobra Commander's helmet under the hood mm-hmm. under the hood. But when we only when we we only did when he was devolving into some sort of uh, you know, snake like thing. The Store, you know, the villain, typical villain. Uh, the only thing he was missing was a mustache or a mustache. And, you know, it was the typical, it was the typical, uh, I want to take over the world Cobra thing. But at the same time, the Joes have the technology for us to take over the world 
which begs the question, why did you build the technology? Right. So, you know, or at least have like an EMP on hand or something too, but you know, whatever. So, and, and, you know, and no soundtrack, no big deal. The movie poster was good. Um, I, I did like that. It, it looks almost like their action figures meets like a, like a fun, not quite a fun co, but like a chibi look to them yeah. a little bit. And, you know, you, you know exactly what you're getting with the name GI Joe, but you also know what you're getting with the, with the poster. You're like, Oh, these guys uh, in America, GI Joe everywhere else action. Was it action uh, squad or action force or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so all in all, I think my overall rating, it, it's hard to rate. It's, you know, I can't really babble on more about an animated movie, but I think I'm going to go 4.15 out of five real American heroes. Nice. And, you know, just because, you know, having that connection to GI Joe is one thing, but also still being able to enjoy and relate to the movie. And it wasn't over long either. So yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with 4.15 out of fiver. Nice. There you go, folks. Uh, definitely something that we're both going to keep on the DVD shelf. Uh, for me again, it was a fun ride. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I said earlier, you know, there's cringeworthy things and, and then, and then, you know, older me looks at it differently. Sure. But I don't want to be older me when I'm watching it. So it's all good. Um, all right. I think we said even last episode that what we were going to do this time, what we were going to do next after this, but just as a reminder for you folks sitting at home, we're going to watch one of the greatest, greatest martial arts films of all time. The greatest bartender movie ever. <laughs> Or, so I'm basically, sorry. it's cocktail Bouncer. and enter the dragon. It, you know, you might not be wrong. <laughs> right there, you go. We're going to be watching Roadhouse. People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse, and we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, forty-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. And that sure sounds good. But a lot of the guys who come in here, we can't handle one-on-one, even two-on-one. Don't worry about it. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. Come on, honey. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a cocksucker, I want you to be nice. Okay. You know you got to say it that way with like uh, what's his name from from Family Guy. You got to be more specific. I haven't watched Family Guy in years. Uh, oh, you don't remember that gimmick, that whole joke with Roadhouse? Every time he hears Roadhouse or sees the film, he goes around Roundhouse kicking people. And then and then when he's done kicking him, he just says Roadhouse. No, but that's a great gimmick. Oh, I got to send you the clip then. Um, anyway, all right, cool. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We appreciate you uh, following along and enjoying these films and, and podcasts with us. Sean, you got anything to say before we head out? Pain don't hurt. There you go. So as always, thanks so much for listening, folks. Make sure you head over to the network, BICBP-radio.com. Check out all the other podcasts and follow their Facebooks, their Instagrams, their Twitters. Do all the social following you can. Uh, as for us, we have a Facebook page as well. Check it out. Sounds your phones. Um, I think I might do a Twitter here soon too. I'm not sure. I just got, it's like, I don't, I don't know how to keep up with all the different social yeah. medias for all the different accounts I have, but yeah, I might Twitter. do it. People, people, people like it, man. And they 
like talking movies, man. I'm telling you. So we might have a Twitter soon. Keep your eye out, folks. But until then, uh, we welcome you to unsilence your phones.